Life with diabetes has some highs and lows, but just like in a normal life, you can make choices which help to make your life easier, improve your health and well-being. In the Diabetic and Healthy podcast, we show you how to do just that. We're here to help you put your diabetes worries behind so that you can start enjoying life with a sky-high smile on your face. So let's meet our host for today's show. Here's Charlotte. Welcome back to another episode of the Diabetic and Healthy podcast. In this episode, I'm interviewing one of the most interesting people I've ever met. I genuinely couldn't resist getting him on the show. His name's Paul Farquhar, and he's an NLP master practitioner and a clinical hypnotherapist. In this interview, Paul explains more about what he does and how these techniques can be used to help people with diabetes. He also teaches us step-by-step a really simple but powerful technique that you can start using today that can help with anxiety, fear and lack of confidence. So here it is. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm good, Charlotte. How are you? I am very well. Thank you. So I've known you for many years now. I know you're a successful entrepreneur, but for our listeners that don't know you, can you just tell us a little bit about you and your story? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, Yeah, you're quite right. We uh, have known each other quite some time. Um, Well, I think I would also, like you say, class myself as an entrepreneur. I've worked for myself since I was 17, which is a number of years ago. And um, <laughs> We don't have uh, to be specific. No, we won't. So I'll lie about my age. But yes, since I was 17. So um, I initially started working uh, with my father, but uh, we ran our own business. So um, I just um, kind of saw opportunities along the way of life and I always took them. He was a great encourager of that and uh, he bailed me out one or two times with some of my dafter ideas but i always looked on it that i'd learned what didn't work and uh, is it the kentucky fried chicken guy who had a thousand rejections until he eventually had a success so um you learn from your mistakes and um that's how i developed so yeah an entrepreneur um my story well um as I uh, worked with my father and tried all these different things, uh, got involved in the internet and things like that, I think my, the biggest change um, happened in my life in 2004. Um, I attended, or I had the opportunity to, to attend a Tony Robbins firewalking in London, which I believe you've done as well, haven't you? I have indeed, yeah. Very, next, very mm. surreal experience. <laughs> yeah, with the London Fire Brigade looking at all these lunatics walking You're on hot Walking hot on fire, hole. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we're all chanting cool moss. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I must admit the experience, um, I just found amazing. How can we walk on hot coals? How can we chant these things and not feel any burning or an, any lasting injury? But one of the biggest experiences I noticed whilst I was on the uh, course or seminar, whatever we call it, um, he had a woman on stage who had experienced child abuse uh, quite some time ago and how it was impacting every aspect of her life. And he demonstrated a technique which at the time just appeared like magic on how she could change all her internal representations um, 
and how she could use that to help her move forward. And the difference in her, just in her facial expressions, just blew my mind away, uh, how you could help somebody so quickly. And it was like it was tapping into an area that I just wanted to know more of. I, I love the aspect of being able to help people um, in a quicker way, in a simple, well, what appeared to be a simple way. Um, he demonstrated the various techniques that we all experienced, and it just uh, intensified my desire to know more. Um, once we'd done the uh, uh, course at London, I found out he'd used a method called NLP, which stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. And uh, I just knew I wanted to learn more. Um, about two weeks after that, um, I went away with the family to Centre Parks and uh, we've got young children who will be playing on the pool. So uh, I chose a book from my bookcase that I hadn't read, which was by Paul McKenna and it was uh, entitled Change Your Life in Seven Days. Um, I read the book whilst I was away and did all, I don't usually do all the exercises in the books, but we had so much time while the kids were playing. Um, I just went through all the written exercises and one of them was to write down the top things you wanted to achieve in the next month. And one of the things I wrote down was I'd like to meet Paul McKenna, which just seemed impossible and do training with him. Again, I didn't know whether he did training or anything like that. Um, we came home after the uh, holiday and within a week, I found out he was running a course uh, in London and the course was in four weeks and I was working out how to attend, how to, you know, find the money for it. And then suddenly through the post um, came uh, a chance that he had spaces and I was also able to get a grant and attend it for free, which just was too much of a coincidence yeah definitely so i went on a three-day training course with him so there i ticked one of the things i'd met him i'd done training with him and was just blown away with what he was showing us he covered a lot of the basics of nlp but also introduced me to the basics of hypnosis which also became another fascination the training was shared by a man who i'd never heard of called richard bandler and it turned out he was the co-creator of NLP. So there I was in the audience being trained by two experts in their fields. I left with a diploma in hypnosis and NLP, but I had a huge hunger to learn more. And when my um, uh, enthusiasm is tapped into, uh, I just want to pursue it to the end. I want to know everything I can. So that was all two months after seeing Tony Robbins. So after seeing him and performing, um, I'd already got some basic training. And then in January 2005, so that was four months after training with Tony Robbins, I started advanced training of myself. And during the whole of 2005, I passed numerous exams. And at the end of the year, I, was, I became a qualified hip, uh, hypnotherapist. I also became a master practitioner of NLP. And along the way, I also became a Reiki practitioner because that was fascinating me as well about how the body's energy could be used to help themselves. So my life had truly changed, uh, like the book said. So now um, I'm very involved in doing public speaking and demonstrations, which is, of course, where you and I met. Yeah. Um, I work with people on one-to-ones, which you've also experienced with me. I have indeed. Um, and I use the techniques I've learned well in all aspects of my life and uh, all went back to firewalking and picking up a book with Paul McKenna. Wow. And this is why I love talking to you, Paul, because you're literally one of the most interesting people that I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
you talk a lot there about NLP, so Neuro Linguistic Programming, is that right? That's well done, yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're listening on that lecture. I was indeed. Um, so that sounds very technical. What exactly is it? It's quite a, a subject that covers a broad uh, amount of things. Like you say, it's neuro-linguistic programming. It's ways of using your mind to tackle issues that you may have. Um, it's, it's the practice of understanding how people organise their thinking and how they um, handle feelings. Um, it's also very important how people use language and how they behave. And if you get all the mixture and the elements right, um, formulated for yourself, then it can produce amazing results. Um, it's a technique you can use to model outstanding performance. So if you see um, outstanding entrepreneurs or leaders in the field, you can use the techniques of NLP to um, model their behaviour and start to achieve similar results. It's also used for personal development and you can use it for success in business. Um, so all the different elements, some of which uh, I know you've experienced and seen me demonstrate, can all come together, but people have to use it in the way that suits them. It isn't a, this is the technique, now go off and use it. It's how the techniques are customised for the oh, individual. Okay. Um, so that's NLP in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> um, and the other thing you're talking about there is hypnotherapy. So first of all, what is the difference between hypnosis and hypnotherapy? Best question in the world, that. <laughs> well done. Um, hypnosis is uh, from the Greek word to sleep, even though you're never asleep. But hypnosis is a way of going inside yourself and using your own mind to help affect change. Um, hypnotists use it on stage to make people laugh. And what they do is they um, get people who want to um, make others laugh and go on stage. And they use the techniques to make people do silly things like clucking like a chicken and that. Paul McKenna told us that the most important thing a stage hypnotist has is the sign on the door that says, come inside, you're going to have a laugh because people are pre-programmed so when he asks for uh, people to go on stage they're pre-programmed they are going to make people laugh and that's how it all works nobody's made to do anything it's just people who want to have fun make a fool of themselves and it's very often you'll notice the hypnotist will find there's not enough chairs or they have to say with too many on stage basically they've identified people who aren't there to have a laugh and be laughed at so they get rid of them under the guise oh, okay. of not so, it, so it wouldn't work on that person if they weren't kind of allowing it to exactly okay. i think that's it's the allowings the permission so a hypnotherapist and a clinical hypnotherapist can speak to somebody usually over an hour it could be after a few sessions they can get it down to 30 minutes but they find out what people need to affect change in themselves. 
people have come to the hypnotherapist because they want this change. So they're already pre-programming themselves. And then the hypnotherapist uses their skills and techniques to affect the change based on what their client in front of them has told them the issues are. Um, uh, hypnosis and uh, as the subject is just a really deep relaxing state uh, people can just uh, it's a bit like meditation you can just go into your own inner world and with the guidance of the the um, hypnotherapist um, you can be taken on a journey of discovery um, which will allow you to understand what's needed for uh, you to get the change that you want. It's usually done with stories, taking people to walk on a beach, which I think is the way I did it with you, isn't it? Yes, I had a beautiful walk walk on the beach in, in my head. <laughs> I like the beach, and then you get somebody who doesn't like water, so I immediately fall back on a countryside setting. And <laughs> so you've got to have a few up your sleeve. Quite but yes, that. you take them on a guided journey, but all the things they find on that journey are things that the hypnotherapist knows will help them with the uh, self-healing that the person needs. Um, and then they open their eyes. At no time are they asleep. At no time are they under the control of the hypnotherapist, no matter what you see on TV. Um, and Darren Brown uses techniques, which again are using, particularly if he does it on stage, and I've seen him many times. His techniques he, I find quite shocking. <laughs> yeah, some of them are very shocking. Uh, but I think he's using... Um, the techniques a bit like he uses places on your hand where you don't feel pain and there are places on your hand you do not feel pain so he does use the techniques but also uses a lot of uh, knowledge that he has to to make the show um so that's hypnosis thank you very much that makes it a lot clearer that people aren't coming to you to cluck like chickens or <laughs> or anything like that and that they're not you pointed out obviously you're not asleep at any point and you are not um in control of them in any way correct, correct. um so <laughs> i have personally had and i have spoken to endless amounts of, of people with diabetes who have um kind of strange relationships with food um or certain behaviors around food um which have developed because of their um because of their diabetes um i link this all back to kind of we have to think about food all the time so it you know it then kind of rolls into a bit of an issue because you become a bit obsessed with it maybe um but i know well personally i know this is something that you can help with and i don't mind you um you know talking about when you helped me um okay. so yeah was that the time when i told you off it was the time when you told me off yes it was <laughs> I took a great risk. To tell you what. <laughs> it I went, went well. Blank. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the problem with a lot of people, and I think it's nearly probably all of us, that we do have self-destructing behaviours that can be triggered. What we don't know is what those triggers will be. And with a lot of the study and research I've done in behaviours in pe people, it's been found by those who are much wiser than me that between the ages of seven and eleven that's when most of our learning and programming 
um, as a human um, takes place. And we have three influences uh, between that age, and they are our parents or our caregivers if we're adopted, um, schooling, which could be homeschooling or going to school, and religion if it's present in the family. And those three um, areas affect our programming. So you could get your father coming home from work, lighting up a cigarette and saying, now I can relax. And that young, impressionable, uh, being programmed child links cigarettes to relaxing. Um, or you get um, the mother, and this gets back to the food, saying um, you can't leave the table till you clear the plate. Um, there's well, there was, there was definitely that rule in my house. Well, there you go. <laughs> This, this, this image of children dying in Africa because they can't have enough food and you have to now clear your plate. And then I get people who are coming to me seriously overweight and cannot leave food on their plate. It's mm. absolutely an impossibility for them. And one of the techniques that's taught with um, uh, obesity is you have to, at phase one, leave food on your plate and throw it away. And that's the hardest thing for people who are overweight to do because they are, they've had it drummed in at that early age that you don't leave the table till you've cleared your plate. And then you get people saying, um, well, I'll have a smaller plate. And all they do is pile it up higher. There's, there's always a way around it. Um, the alcoholic will just have one glass of wine, but it's the size of a fishbowl. And you, you will, your mind will always find a way around it. And it's this self-destructive behavior, which often links back to that programming as a child, where you were given these programs. My daughter um, was told by her French teacher that there is no way she would ever be able to, teach, uh, to speak French. And sure enough, she always says to me, oh, I'll never be able to speak French. It went in as a program. And, it, you know, teachers, uh, religious leaders, parents, everybody who has um, a, um, access to these young children are so uh, easy to program them and can program them in destructive ways. And what I noticed with you, we were, we were in a restaurant and um, it was at the conference so you and I had been talking a lot and we'd uh, spoken a lot about things, but you were with a group of um, similar people, similar your age, and they were all eating all this free food, which was uh, very sweet and all the cakes and everybody was binging because it was an all-inclusive place we were at. And I noticed you, and I'm sure you'll uh, be uncomfortable to hear this again. Yeah. <laughs> You were eating cakes and then injecting under the table with insulin to keep up with everybody else. So you were self-destructing to conform with everybody else to fit in. I think um, I was probably the worst there in all honesty. Yeah, you were making <laughs> more sweet. I went up to the, to the desserts um, more than anybody else. But after three times in one meal seeing you inject under the table, I just asked if I could speak to you at one side and I just said, why are you doing this? And I think your words were doing what? You, yeah. you just were not aware of how destructive you were uh, being. Um, and I, with experience, related it to you wanting to fit in. So this, this also wasn't a diabetes thing. This must be something about fitting in mm. and could be something um, from early years, which is what we then worked on. Um, but yeah, people do self-destruct sometimes to conform. And yet uh, what I wanted to um, let you know is how people admired 
um, the way you were living your life, how healthy you were, and in later years, the bodybuilding and everything that you've done, um, that actually people look up to you for your strength of character, and yet you can't see it sometimes until it's said to you. And I think that's where a hypnotherapist or a therapist can actually point out things that um, the person isn't aware of, both self-destructive and the good things as well. So yes, that's uh, where I come from with uh, the, the history of people. And we all have something in our past. It's whether we can cut that cord that links us to the past and move on with our lives. So even people now who have diabetes and are, I don't know, struggling with, um, you know, with their relationship with food or maybe it's activity and exercise and there's kind of barriers there. Is that that's the kind of thing you can help with? And what you're saying is it might actually be nothing to do with the diabetes. It could have started much earlier on than that. Yeah. Um, I'm not talking about the medical side of diabetes starting early, but I know you're not saying that. Um, yes. I'm just saying there may be underlying issues that um, if the, the link to those underlying issues could be um, severed, then it might give a bit of extra strength to cope with living with diabetes. And that maybe the, the strict rules that you have to live within won't become a chore they'll become a strength of how you can help others because the disciplines you have to live within with food is a strength that you could apply to other things and like you did with the, the bodybuilding that uh, and the health and fitness that's another strength that many people don't have that ability to keep that routine going so you can use it in all things and even entrepreneurs um, it's so easy just to check Facebook and just to check your emails and go away from those jobs that you don't really want to do today, as we call them, the frog jobs. Nobody wants to eat a frog. So they're the frog jobs. Um, and it's so easy to be distracted. But if you have got the self-discipline, which you have uh, and other people with diabetes with food, you can actually take that strength uh, and apply it to other things. Mm. Mm, that's very interesting if we time now we could do a quick exercise would you like that? oh i would love that you know i love these <laughs> <laughs> well let's do an exercise then and it's come to me quickly so for all the people who are listening this has not been rehearsed um let's do an exercise to um give people confidence uh, let's do confidence because that will be something they can then take into the confidence of uh, getting through with diabetes or the confidence in exercise or however they want to use it. Mm -hmm. So um, you can do it as well. And whoever's listening, if you're driving a car listening to this, you cannot do this. This is for <laughs> people who are sat at home. I'm not going to hypnotize people. I'm just going to use an NLP technique. But it's easier with the eyes closed because then you don't have distractions. That is why those who of you who are driving mustn't do it. I don't I'm glad you specified that. <laughs> <laughs> so the exercise is going to be done with eyes closed. And we're going to just um, go to a situation where um, people were confident. So. If everybody who wants to participate and can participate just closes their eyes and I want 
um, I'll just talk to you, Charlotte, but everybody else can regard it as them. Mm -hmm. I want you to think of a time when you were confident. So I know situations where I've seen you confident, Charlotte. So there's plenty of times in your life when you were confident. For people who are saying, I'm never confident, I can't think of anything, there is always a time, maybe it was cooking a meal for your children, um, beans on toast, you're an expert at cooking beans on toast, the kids were all happy that's a sign of confidence it could be reading a bedtime story and seeing your, your uh, child go to sleep and you've got the confidence to read that story with all the dragons and the uh, princes on the um, horses any way you can a time when you were confident and when you've got that picture in your mind because your eyes are closed I want you to make the picture really really big so it fills your whole image in your mind, make it panoramic so it's all the way around you and then turn up the colour, turn up the brightness and then hear the sounds of that time when you're confident and make the sounds louder and louder and then notice that feeling, that feeling you get when you're confident. Sometimes it's, it's in your chest, there's a fluttering or it's in your stomach or it's all over you. It's just that feeling of yes. This is brilliant. And whilst you're seeing all those pictures and hearing all those sounds and feeling those feelings, on your left hand, I want you to touch your thumb with the first finger and make a ring. We'll call it a ring of confidence. And what we're doing is we're gluing all those wonderful feelings that you're feeling inside of confidence and those visions, everything you can see, and those sounds we're gluing it to that ring of confidence. Now I want you to open that thumb and finger and open your eyes. And are you still there, Charlotte? Just about, yes, I am. <laughs> now, I might as well explain everything we're doing. There's no magic in all this. It's a technique. We're gluing all those things to that ring. I'm talking to you now. I'm breaking that state. You've come out of it. So Yeah, my eyes are open. Okay, it's called breaking state. Now we're going to do it again. So close your eyes. And I want you to think of another time when you were really confident. Perhaps the first time you thought of a few and you chose one. So chose another one now. A time when you were really confident, when you felt really, really good. Now for people who find it totally impossible to find something that's really good, you can make it up. Because your mind does not know the difference between reality and made up stuff so the second time that time when you're really really confident or you're imagining being really really confident see yourself doing that now and in that image in your mind make the picture bigger and bigger make the image brighter and brighter really turn up the color and the contrast make it panoramic and the sounds the sounds that go with this confident exercise what were the sounds that you heard? Make the sounds louder and louder. Make it really, really loud. And then that feeling, that feeling that we get when we're doing something really well, really confident, maybe in your stomach or your chest or in your head or all over your body, really turn those feelings up now. And now you've got that vision and sound and the feelings, make that ring of confidence again with your thumb and your first finger, just hold them together and make that ring. And that will glue it straight into that ring of confidence. Feeling really good. And now open your eyes. Open your thumb and finger. 
Are you still with me, Charlotte? I am. I'm back. Now we know why you shouldn't be driving a car doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you'd have gone through several hedges by now, I think. I just saying that we've broken state, we've come back to reality, and now we'll do it a third and final time. So, eyes closed. And we're thinking of a third time when we were confident or feeling really, really good. And you can make it up if you don't have one, but sometime in your life when you felt really, really good. And when you've got that feeling, I want you to see it in your mind's eye and make the picture bigger and bigger. Make it panoramic. Turn the colour up so it's really, really vivid. And the brightness and the sounds, turn the sounds up so it's louder and louder. Maybe it's people talking to you or a child giggling, whatever it is. And those feelings, wow, those feelings inside. Wherever they may be in you, turn up those feelings. Turn up the intensity so they're stronger and stronger. While that's feelings are stronger and stronger. And the picture and the sound make that ring of confidence again with your thumb and your first finger. Really glue it into that ring of confidence. That's amazing. And eyes open, fingers open. So how was that? Well, I didn't really want to open my eyes, but... <laughs> You know, it's quite funny when you do hypnotherapy with people and you say to the end, on the count of five, you'll open your eyes. And I had one lady said, no, I won't. <laughs> you want me I'd to like stay to stay up. in this state, please. <laughs> I'm not leaving this beach that I'm paddling in. Yeah. So what we've done is three exercises where we've glued confidence to that ring. And it's with you at all times. And what you can do... And it just sounds too simple for words, but whenever you're in a situation where you're feeling uncomfortable, and this is being uh, recorded at the moment in the middle of the coronavirus, you can feel very uncomfortable being in crowds. I mean, I went into B&Q to get some stuff the other day, and I was very uncomfortable by all the people because they were getting too close. This is a technique where if you just need that boost of confidence, nobody can see you, your left hand's but down by your side, or whatever, however way you do it, you just make that ring, and you'll get that boost of confidence. And I use this technique on one of the... Um, seminars I was at where there was a lady who was allergic or had a phobia of lifts and again it went back to her past when she was attacked and um, this was the technique I used with her where she could go up and down in the lifts and she had five young children and she said you do not know how this will change my life and I said well you five young children I do know how this will change your life yeah. <laughs> every time she went anywhere she had to go up the steps with all the push and this simple technique was how we achieved that. So there you go. A little technique for your listeners and for you. Yeah, awesome. And I would love feedback from our listeners on that as well. So yes, anyone that is yeah. joining in with that and then get, gets an um, opportunity to use it, um, please do let us know because that would be really interesting. Um, the other thing I've written down here in my notes is to talk to you about PMA. PMA, positive mental attitude. Yes. What Something can you tell with... me about that? Well, not only is it very important, particularly in the times we're in at the moment, um, having a, a positive mental attitude can make such a difference to the way you live your life, 
the way you get through life. Um, it's like having an optimistic disposition. Whatever you're approaching, every situation that you get um, in your life, by having a possible a positive mental attitude, you can actually achieve positive changes. Um, it just helps you in every way you do. Um, I'll give you an example of this. Um, it's not where people's all the time are twisting everything you're saying because it can be very annoying if you're saying, oh, I don't feel very well. Yes, but there are lots of people that are worse than you. Yeah, but um, I don't think I want to do this today. Yes, but there's other people who'd be glad to have what you've got. It can get very irritating if people are just twisting everything you're saying and flipping it on its head. Um, I find a positive mental attitude is being self-critical, self-reflective in what you're doing. If something happens to you on a regular basis, which isn't good, what are you doing, in my opinion, to put out there to attract this to you? I remember I was driving home from work one day and somebody sent me a text. And as I was driving, I'll deny this in court, I would pick up my phone and just quickly glance at it. And for a split second, your eyes leave the road. It's a fact. And suddenly the car in front hit the brakes and I hit, hit my brakes and I narrowly missed driving in the back of him. And I just thought that was my own fault. Something would have gone wrong. It was my own fault. I then said, I won't do that again. And I drove around the corner and I was approaching a main road. I can picture the journey now. And as I approached the main road, my phone started to ring and it wasn't on speakerphone on the phone. And I glanced to see who was ringing me. And the lights changed to red without me seeing. And just as I looked up, I realized they were on red and hit my brakes. And a car came through the other way and had gone through um, before the lights had changed. And there was no question I would have hit that car two times. And then as I was continu continuing on the journey, um, I suddenly heard my phone and I purposely did not look down and um, a cyclist fell off in front of me and I swerved around them. And it just made me think that's three signals that, you know, you've got to be aware of what's going on. And it changed my attitude to be, look, you've not to look at, you've to look more on a, a wider field. You've, you've to think what is life teaching me here? So I use positive mental attitude in that way so that um, I'm all the time staying upbeat, staying alert, questioning all the time what is happening in my life. You can't go around life blaming everybody else like President Trump tends to do at the moment because he is in power. Uh, everything is somebody else's fault and at the end of the day in your life the book stops with you. So I like to think that you need to look at yourself, you need to question yourself and um, a, a very quick story when um, in the olden days when you used to get paid by checks, I used to cross the road every day to the bank and bank the checks and go in and there was a long queue. And um, one day I was in the queue and there was a, a youngish woman, uh, I remember clearly, and uh, she was looking down and when eventually it got to my turn, I pushed the checks forward. She didn't look at me. She didn't acknowledge me. And um, she just, uh, that was all she did. And then she just said, how are you? With her head looking down. And I said, I'm absolutely amazing. And there was this long pause and she looked up first time and said, 
really? And I said, yeah, absolutely amazing. And she went, okay, and then carried on and banked the checks and out I went. The next day I went in, I noticed she was on duty and I noticed she saw me come in. And it was quite interesting that she timed her customers so that she would get me. So I walked up and she just looked at me and said, and how are you today? I said, brilliant, used a Michael Heppel word. I'm absolutely brilliant. Life couldn't be any better. And she went, wow, that's amazing. So I said, how are you? I'm not too bad, which to me is a very negative word. You say you're not <laughs> bad, you're focused on bad. And that was that, that was the second time. This developed over several months until we got that I would walk up to the counter and I would say, I'm fantastic. And she would say, I'm fantastic too. And I got speaking to her and got to know her and we used to have quite a laugh about this and um, we joked about different things and that was it. The bank then closed and I never saw her again. And then 15 years later, my daughter went into the same bank, it was HSBC, in our local town, so a different town, and uh, she went up to the counter. She obviously had the same surname as me and the lady behind the counter said to her, are you any relation to Paul Farquhar? And she said, well, actually, I'm his daughter. She said, well, will you say hi from me and tell him I'm still fantastic? <laughs> so 15 years later, your positive mental attitude can still affect people in those ways. And I always like to think that you're putting that out there. It does change people's lives. And all you're doing is having a positive attitude. Love that story, Paul. <laughs> really love that story. Mm. Oh, I have loads of stories, as you know, <laughs> and they're all true, every one of them. Um, so in relation to the current situation, so as you said, we are recording this um, during the coronavirus outbreak. So people are currently in lockdown in the UK. Um, how can people use that kind of positive mental attitude to, to help in this situation? Um, it's a good question because as you say we're in lockdown and some people have been at home for many many weeks so yes it is um, it is challenging I think one of the things to stay positive is it, it sounds simple but to avoid the negative stop reading the news stop listening to all this news and, and you find people who are sharing Facebook statuses about the latest government betrayal with the coronavirus mm. and all its injustice. What you don't realise is you're entering into this negative atmosphere of everybody uh, complaining. And I was saying before, um, what you think about in your mind and what you experience in your mind, your body will take on. So if you start to feel negative things and get stressful, your body will go into this flight or flight response and you'll start getting tense. And, oh, my muscles are aching today. And it could be just that you've got tense about something and you haven't been relaxing um, as you should be doing. So stop reading the news is certainly a big one. Your attitude, how you approach it, determines uh, an awful lot. I mean, there's all these people who um, are just sitting and watching film after film, whereas you could be reading a book, you could be listening to podcasts like this one. There's various things you can do. And although um, it can be a, a bit trite just to say, use this time to learn new skills, it is quite possible to do that. I mean, I've been 
listening to a lot of webinars and a lot of podcasts. Um, there's a lot of very clever people out there. And if you pick up little snippets from each one of them, and maybe you've picked up some things today listening to this one, um, it all helps build your knowledge base uh, enables you to to get through um, a lot of people are turning to different things like using the garden we're very fortunate at the moment to have good weather so more and more people are out in the garden enjoying nature and actually seeing things they've never seen before um, I remember somebody once saying to me I wonder what it's like to be a leaf and I just looked at them as though they were crazed and I said what do you mean and they said well wonder what it's like because leaves aren't just green I said, well of course they're green and then when you study a leaf and see the millions of different shades of green in a leaf and then you see the branch that connects it and then wonder how the nutrients are coming from the soil the branch to the leaves you start to open your eyes to um all that's available out there and i think it's a really good positive mental attitude to start opening your filters we all filter things because your brain would explode if it didn't filter everything. But by filtering, we can cut out a lot of the, the amazing things that are out there. Um, so I, I'm telling people to start, to start opening their filters and allowing more through. When you're studying, like I say, a leaf, look at it in great detail. Look at the sky in great detail. We're all joking that with no aeroplanes flying at the moment, the skies are all clear and and it's true, you can see far more if you're opening your eyes to all of this. Um, and the, the, the final big thing I think which can affect people is the, the power of their words, how they talk to others, because words are very powerful and they convey ideas and thoughts and beliefs. Um, so giving people positive words of encouragement or even just listening to them, being there so they can just say how concerned they are, how they're worried about the health and just be in a listening ear can give you such a mental, a positive mental attitude as well. So a few techniques to use in these difficult times. Yeah, no, definitely really helpful. And it's interesting you say that about, uh, you know, using this time for something because I know a few friends who are kind of doing online courses, um, you know, probably things that they've wanted to do for a very long time and haven't actually had had the time or the opportunity to do it. So they're kind of using this time in a really positive way. Um, also, one of my best friends at the moment, I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, every single morning, she is sharing like a, like a positive quote on her Facebook oh, or an uplifting quote, you know, and I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but for a lot of people to, to flick onto their social media, instead of seeing all this doom and gloom to see one of these little positive quotes, I think is such a lovely idea. And for a moment you read it. So it's the old story. The jury will disregard what they read. They can't, they've heard it. They've read it. So she's going to achieve it. Even for those who uh, don't always like the positive quotes, they've read it and it could just be the difference to giving them a bit of an uplifting feeling. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I won't say her name cause I don't want to embarrass her, but she does listen to a, <laughs> she does listen to a podcast. So she knows who she is. Um, <laughs> so well, as you know, you know, I love your stories and everything, as I said before, so I could talk to you all day long, but um, I'm not sure anyone would have the time to listen to a podcast that lasted all day long. Um, so let's wrap it up with maybe if you've got any top tips. So you've already given us some great um, kind of techniques and things like that. But if you had to give some kind of quick top tips for 
um, staying positive or you were talking before about confidence. Um, what, what kind of tips could you leave us with? Okay. Um, well, during this lockdown, I'm um, also using the time to, to put some of my ideas and thoughts onto paper. <clears throat> One of my goals is to uh, turn it all into a book. So what better way uh, in sitting in the sun uh, than to do that? So I've written a few things down. So I will share one or two things um, that I've written down um, that uh, I think will help everybody. And although they apply to being in this lockdown situation, they, they apply to all times. Um, one of my top tips is to have a purpose. Because having a purpose in your life, it gives you a fixed point on the horizon to focus on and, and can drive you forward. You can remain steady um, uh, amongst all these distractions that we're getting. It can also bring meaning and purpose to your life and uh, a knowing of why you're here. Uh, it also does wonders for your attitude because you move forward. You also need to share your purpose is I found when you tell people what your purpose is or what your goal is in life, um, things can happen. <laughs> I've, I've got to tell you a quick story on that where you share your life's goal. I was with a group of entrepreneurs. We were doing some training at a university. It was a, a trial um, training for entrepreneurs and how we could all bring something to the table. And we all had to say one thing that we've always wanted to do in our life. And I just said, I'd like to be on Coronation Street with a talking point part. I don't want to just stand there in the Rover's Return having a drink. I want to play an active part. I have no idea. I didn't watch Coronation Street. I just knew everybody else did. And this seemed like a cool thing to say. <laughs> I've been on Coronation Street. And everybody looked at me and, you know, it was the usual, wow. One lady said she wanted to be a stand-up comic, which are hats off to her. Um, so that was that. We then had a break for a coffee. And a lady came up and said, it's very unusual for you to say that you want a, a, a talking part on Coronation Street. Do you really? And I said, yeah, I think so. And she said, I'm fascinating. So she says, I actually place actors on Coronation Street. And when would you like an audition? No. And I went, no. <laughs> said, what do you mean, no? I said, I don't think I want to do it now. She said, but you did. I said, yeah, but now it's in my grasp. Actually, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and I never took her up on it. I, to this day, I'm still connected with her. And she now runs a huge acting academy on, in Manchester, on Salford, and places actors all over the place. So outing what you want, what your purpose and goal is, you never know who you're talking to, who can actually just give you that next step up. So that was mine. The other oh, thing I've I want to see you on Corey. <laughs> well, I don't anymore. <laughs> um, the other thing I've written down is, um, in my notes, is to stop expecting life to be easy. Because the truth is, life does get tough at times. It, it gets tough for all of us, and it can be really painful. But you're brave, you're resourceful, you can take it. We've all passed through things before. And I always say about my old grandma saying, this too will pass. It's a fairly well-known saying. And it, it is true, these things do pass. And knowing that sometimes things won't be easy, you can adopt your attitude because you know you have what it takes to deal with anything that life throws at you. And when you do have that attitude, um, one of the sessions I do with people is um, ultimate self-worth, is knowing how, how worthy you are because we've got to this point in our life, our ancestors who have 
um, got through various things, have all built those strengths, and eventually here we are. So stop expecting life to be easy. Um, keep up your enthusiasm because enthusiastic people have a great attitude towards life. Um, you need to be ready for those times. You know, sometimes when we feel that life is draining away, you've got to keep up that enthusiasm because being enthusiastic will help you maintain the attitude that life is good and that you are lucky to be alive. And we did some visualization before um, with this ring of confidence. So use visualization when things aren't going your way because it helps you keep that positive attitude because you can visualize yourself succeeding and achieving your goals. Um, Nelson Mandela was famous for saying that he thought of the day when he would walk free and over and over again he fantasized about what it would be like to be doing that and then he was able to maintain this positive attitude until he could find that he did walk free. So visualization is massive, it's used in sport, it's used in business and it's used when you just need these tips to get you through life. So those are mine for today. Excellent. Really helpful ones there, Paul. Thank you. And I think that's going to have to have to bring us to the end of the interview. But thank you so much because you've shared, well, a wealth of information, loads of tips, loads of techniques. So I really hope everyone can, you know, really take something away from this. I hope so too. And it's been lovely talking to you. It's been lovely talking to you. We need to, to do it quicker next time. It's been too many years. It has been too many years. But then I need you need to give you some time to build up your stories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have thousands of them. <laughs> I don't know. I just store them up and think, oh, that's another story. That's just <laughs> you should definitely write that book. <laughs> yes, I'm going to. <laughs> right. Great speaking to you, Paul. And definitely speak to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Charlotte. Goodbye. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed that and got involved with learning one of Paul's really effective techniques. Some great advice there for staying positive, especially in the current lockdown situation. As always, I'd love to get some feedback on what you thought of this episode. So please do leave a review and feel free to email me directly. It's charlotte at diabeticandhealthy.com. Make sure you hit subscribe as I've got some more great episodes and interviews coming up. Thank you again for listening and until next time, stay safe. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a healthy and happy life continues. Head on over to diabeticandhealthy.com and join the conversation with other diabetics and their families. All the information in this episode is not designed to replace the advice from the health professional team looking after you and your diabetes. Before making any significant lifestyle changes, do consult them with your doctor.